Countdown again from three. From, oh, three. from two. Because we from can do two. two. Two, one, one go. go. And oh, welcome no. to the seventh Shut Up and Sit Down it's podcast. I'm pretty sure it's number seven. Thank you guys all so much for listening. To this. We haven't even done anything yet. You're already listening. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. But you, well, you're going to be handsomely rewarded, aren't they, Paul? Um, going to be as handsome as Brendan as they hear us talk about all kinds of games. Like Brendan's we've got handsome. Augustus, we've got Revolver. We've Revolver 2. We've got Netrunner. We've got a new mailbag feature. If you tweet in now... Oh, wait, this isn't live. You can't hear no, it. No, it's, it's fine. Uh, I'd like to go over Galaxy Trucker a bit more as we've well, got if that. you don't mind. And we can also talk about the indie RPG we've been playing this week. Ooh. So here's your teaser. If you listen for long enough, you're going to hear me describe how I had sex with Paul. Oh, not safe for work. Uh, they're not going to be listening to it out loud at work. We really actually, there's a lot of details in this that we shouldn't go into for that thing. No, so we just, shouldn't. It's so best just to... We'll be coy about it, coy. Then, yes. You want to uh, start with Galaxy Trucker, though? Oh, well, okay, yeah, yeah, let's... So if, if you've been watching the site, this went up a couple of weeks ago. We did a big Let's Play of, mm-hmm. of Galaxy Trucker Anniversary Edition, which is huge. How would you describe Galaxy Trucker, Paul? Uh, we've, we've mentioned it, oh, I don't know, this would be like the fourth or fifth time we've had a chat about it, and we always say that we really like it, and it's this chaotic ship assemble them up kind of game where you you know you have your board and you assemble your shit from different pieces in real time you in real build time build it in a kind of uh, pipe mania thing with all the other players and then you send it out into space and you draw cards out of a deck which are all dangers that the ship runs into and hopefully if you built it well enough it will survive and sometimes it does hopefully but we played the big anniversary thing we didn't really go into the expansions in detail when we did the let's play no I think I've seen a lot of people on Twitter talk about just how expensive the game is and sure enough like Galaxy Trucker is a very expensive piece from a very small publisher it's a luxury game it doesn't look that good but so you yes. don't get into the mindset but the fact is it's a luxury item it is uh, if you're going to buy that big anniversary edition it's fairly expensive but there's a lot in there yeah, it's a game with a whole bunch of expansions that, if you bought them separately, would cost more. So this is the thing. I've, I've seen a lot of people talk about how they're not sure if they're going to buy it because it's a lot of money and the game doesn't look that good. But simply, I, it's hard to think of a game that I've laughed more at. Frankly, like it's just so so many things you get to the table and you don't know if they're going to be a good experience. You don't know if they're going to be satisfying. But honestly, every time I played Galaxy Trucker, people have just laughed, and that's kind of priceless. It's accessible, I think, as well, which is a really good thing. It's fairly easy to teach people. And a wonderful and promo you get that helps it be accessible is in the um, expansion. It has these with these cards mm. which I'd love to see in more games. These um, uh, even the Stevens cards. Yeah. yeah. So Galaxy Trucker is so hard, and these cards are simply cards you draw from a deck that issue penalties to all the uh, all the grown-up, tough veteran truckers and boosts to all the newbies. Which is just wonderful, because in a game that's so funny and yet still very competitive, it, it just makes the game funnier and fairer simultaneously. It's a good entry-level thing. It's uh, I think it's going to actually hurt you a tiny bit if you're an experienced player. It is a challenge to wrestle with, but in that context, that's not a bad idea. What? What's your... That kind of handicap thing. I just feel like um, a lot of people watched it, they saw us laughing, but I feel like... Maybe we didn't do a good enough job of expressing it's the game we were laughing at. It's not just us having fun. That game was making us laugh. And it's just It is. It's, it's just calamities, isn't it's it? It's calamity and chaos and it's endlessly replayable because there's so yes. many you're gonna constantly build different ships and everyone has different ways of playing from reading some of the comments online and seeing what people have said. Certain people really go for particular ship design styles. Some people 
really don't like... Uh, some people are like me, they don't want to have ships with lots of spare connectors because they know that can hurt them in certain situations. Yeah, whereas Other I just people... wildly, outwardly... I'm sure there are people out there who do look at the encounters coming and design for that. Exactly, and you did... Because you were really diverse and you did throw loads of stuff in, that gives you certain advantages? I guess it, it just, it's just rare that a game allows you to bring your own flair to it. Like, yeah. I'm this kind of player, I'm going to build this kind of ship. You can look at someone's ship and kind of almost learn things about them. Yeah. Rather than it just yeah. being a straight contest of skill with us trying to... I just like it. It just feels creative. Maybe it's because we're both just creative people who like... You oh, we're know, very who creative like jokes. people. And we're very... We're I, like, I think you're creative. No, you're, you're creative. You're the most no, creative. You're creative. No, you're creative. This is awful. Uh, <laughs> so, someone's new to Galaxy Trucker Paul, then, do you tell them to buy the base set or the anniversary edition, which is almost twice the money? Uh, to be honest, I would say, yeah, grab the base set, because obviously it's a lot less, but... You know, you can always play with someone who has it and see if you really like it and then scurry out to the, the store and buy the whole bigger thing and then be the envy of all yeah, your friends. Yeah, there you go. And you know what? You want to be the, if, if anyone listening to this wants to be the envy of me and Paul, there's a team variant, which we still haven't played, yeah. where um, it's just beautiful. Uh, two play, you're divided into teams of two and you each build a ship. And then every time that sand timer flips, you literally run around the table and continue building where your opponent left off. And finally, when you finish, you run around the table again one more time to uh, fly whatever monstrosity your friend has built. And yeah. that doesn't it, that, that just sounds amazing. I cannot believe we should do chance that. to play it. Yeah. We should do that. An extra thing I would say, actually, is we got a question, or I got a question ages ago, about brick-and-mortar stores and what they can do to differentiate themselves from Amazon, which might be £10, $10 cheaper. It's a game that I would encourage... Uh, vendors to play in their stores and encourage people to come into the store and play. Yeah. And then visitors, if you can get to a store, if you can get people to actually put on show games, you can decide whether you want the base box, whether you want absolutely everything. Yeah, you know what? It's a lovely. It's demo a great game. demo. It's a great demo game because yeah. you're gonna have fun, and that's the again priceless. Just the fact that you can put it on the table, you can watch people playing it yes. and see how much fun they're having, and that's. Oh my god! I mean, I'm looking at my my favourite shelf now. I don't know how many of these games actually look fun unless you're in the thick of it. If you're in the the shit and your your head's down and you're controlling your units, or I mean, yeah, no, it's true. I mean, just looking at stuff on the Kingsburg there up on the in the corner of the shelf, it's like Kingsburg's quite good, but turning up and looking at Kingsburg, you're not going to get the same kind of no. Whereas Vlada games are so funny that watching them, you know, you're, yeah. you're going to laugh. It's which, very which is thing. why he's probably still our favourite designer. We, when we call Vlada our favourite designer, we were just getting our feet wet in board games. But the fact is, I actually I haven't found anybody else who. We talked about how Antoine Bowser has a tremendous variety of skull. This yep. is the guy who made Seven Wonders and Ghost Stories in Tokaido. Um, but no, as long as Vlada's the funniest designer and sort of the and really, really original, really varied in what he does and whatever he does next. Yeah, I, I can't... think both of us are going to be as soon as we hear about what the next thing is, we're going to be excited. Yeah, aren't we? I cannot imagine uh, sort of uh, him losing his crown at any point. Crown. Vlada, if you're listening to this, if you just want to come over for just just a little bit, you know, actually we, that'd be really nice. Vlada, Vlada. Anyway, uh, do you want to talk about Cowboys next or Romans? I want to talk about... Let's stay relevant. Let's talk about uh, Romans, <laughs> because spiel. Let's, let's, let's give right. it to people. So, um, a couple of weeks ago, I, I wrote a news article that... Um, oh, my goodness. Spiel de Jahres. Don't know how to pronounce that. No, that was right, I think. <laughs> was I it? think that's pretty good. Um, has been announced. And Spiel de Jahres 
If you missed the news post, is the big German gaming award, and with board gaming being so big in Germany, whoever wins the Spiel Jahres prize uh, will go on to sell probably almost half a million copies because you're going to be stocked in supermarkets or whatever it is. You're going to be everywhere, and you're going to have next that to the Bratwurst, and you'll have the symbol, um, and it will stay there for years to come. Yes. So, uh, so the, the three nominees have been announced, and these aren't necessarily games that that hardcore board gamers would play. This is stuff that's accessible that, that families can play. So there was um, uh, Quicks, which is a dice game that looks naff. Uh, there was uh, the Hanabi, which is this fireworks game where mm. all the players hold hands of cards backwards. Have you played this? No, I haven't. Right. So this is this is crazy. This is actually Antoine Bowser. Um, is it? Yes. So I believe it? it might be the other okay. French. No, designer. I didn't know that. I think so. Yeah, so again, him doing something really original. So you hold your cards backwards, and you might have a black seven and a red five, and collectively as players, you can play a card on your turn, I think, or mm. ask a question, or something like that. So you ask a question, and, some, and so, you know, what, what colour is this card? And someone might say blue. I'm honestly getting the rules so wrong. But essentially then you go, <laughs> oh, it's blue, and they said it was high, which means it's probably a blue six, so I'll play it, and you put it down. And so far people play blue one, and you play a blue three, which means you've missed out on the points for two, but you still haven't screwed up the fireworks display. But yeah, you oh. have no idea what you're holding, and ultimately it's just asking questions for people, who, and they can't be totally clear with the but information. you can see other people's cards. You can see everyone else's cards, and you're just so on. ignorant about your own. Again, one of those games that I really like for the sake that um, when it starts, you just start laughing, like The Resistance. Yeah. But because what you're doing is so absurd. Yeah. Um, but That's think, interesting. So, yeah, Hanabi is quite interesting. I, I, I pin my hopes on Augustus, though. Because two years ago, I think, um, Seven Wonders won Spiel the Yaris. Or was it last year? It might be. No, no. it must have been about two years it ago. It must now. have been two years ago. God knows what won last year. Uh, so, Seven Wonders. Uh, <laughs> so professionals! Seven, wonders. Um, seven Wonders. Uh, was it? Uh, yeah, Seven Wonders won, and that was huge and fantastic and full of variety. And, and a game that we still really, really like. Yeah, games where you all collectively yeah. build cities. You pick a card, which is a building from your hands to go into your civilization, then you pass all the hands of cards clockwise or anti-clockwise. So you build up your civilization, you keep one eye on what your opponents are doing, and you want the science buildings, not because maybe you want science, but because your neighbor's building all science, yeah. and you want to deny him, yeah. and then your neighbor goes war to get... But you're trying to build your pyramid, and you're trying to keep all the best guilds for the end. And yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's a fascinating game. So Augustus, I hope would be something like that. So Augustus, which we got this week, and we've played net well. We've we've, we've, we've played probably, around with. We've we've played around with it. Um, and yeah. So do you want to describe Augustus? Augustus is a game about being a Roman just after Caesar's died and collecting cards by sticking legionnaires, legionnaires, legionaries, legion, sticking Roman Whole soldiers, Roman legions on them, thousands of Romans claiming cards for victory points and for the bonuses that those cards give you. They sit in a pool in the middle, and as you guess an easy way to describe it is as you claim more and more of these cards you have more variety in what you can do and you get yeah. more points but it's just kind of that's it it's quite simple it's you just... very simple it's ultra simple you can see why it's nominated because of its simplicity which and I think really might fast. disappoint people it's but it's fast. quite clever so, I, I didn't feel disappointed I thought it was quite nuanced it is it's not it's it's kind of disappointingly German in that way that it's oh, I'm, I'm hitting all the races no 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 bingo I, tonight uh, but no it, it's kind of German games do have a certain style, and playing it, you're unlikely to burst out laughing. You're unlikely to be petrified or tense. You're unlikely to be joyous 
What you, the game will just trundle onwards. It's like a very, it's like an escalator or something, t- carrying you gently up. The, um, Is that how did you feel about it then? You well, felt like it went like clockwork. So or? yeah, just to just to clarify the rules a bit more. Essentially, let's say you have three objectives, and they'll all have different um, symbols on. Like they might have the crossed gladius swords, which are very common. They might have chariots, which are less common. They might have the secret dagger, which there's only one of in mm. the bag. And every turn, the town crier draws one symbol out of the bag, and he'll say cross swords. At which point, everyone can put a legionnaire on some cross swords or move one of their legionnaires because you don't have many. And once you've completed all the circles on an objective, then you can score it, and that might give you a special power, like complete another objective. And then there's other stuff to do with um, which objective you score and trying to chase sets. Yes. But that's it. So it's it's ultra fast game because it's simultaneous for everybody and um, nice. I don't know, there's, there's always that little bit of tension as it comes out of the bag, and it's terrifying when you can't put down a legion and you see all your friends placing legions. But it is, that is just it. It, uh, is, it is about choices. You are still making hard choices, and it does get your brain ticking over, though, which is good. Yes. It's kind of a game that, I, I don't know, I just imagine it's Christmas 2014, and I've met a girl, and or a boy, and I've gone to their parents' house, and the, the dad, who's a bit bit boring but kind of interesting brings out Augustus and I play it and I'm eating like food I don't quite like and it's warm but a bit too warm and I'm playing Augustus like Augustus completes that particular image for me so are we saying that our first impression of it is it's not bad it's quite good and it's interesting and it's fine I, th- I think it's like I play it I open the box I'm exciting it's, it's pretty and all the character art and the colours and the ideas in it and I went oh let's see what 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 you know, what has caused this game to be nominated for an award. And I was sat cross-legged on my bed and I learned the rules and I went, ah, yes, I see why this has been nominated. It's an accessible I wouldn't game. probably have bought this. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, but we've talked about this. Accessible games and family games don't have to be, you know... No. You know, it's taken not down pegs. a bad thing. No, like you know, the resistance is an excellent accessible game, but it's as good as anything else we've ever played. And like, um, I don't know, Bunny Bunny Moose Moose is a great family game, but again, it's as fun as anything we've ever played. Bunny Bunny Moose Moose, uh, if anybody's not aware, is a Vlada game we reviewed ages back. Vlada Tvatel. Like a year ago. More than that. And oh, wow. um, uh, it's a game of a poem being read out and cards telling you what's worth points and uh, and what's and worth it, points is always you pretending to be a bunny or a moose. By doing things with your hands. Yes, because your hands are your ears, so a moose has antlers and then you can be a rabbit with curled up ears. And just as the cards come out, you forget what you're even trying to be and then someone goes, stop! And you're all frozen looking like a bush. Because if you're not a bunny or a moose, you're a bush and score no points. Which is absolutely true to life. And <laughs> I think we've j- I don't know if we've just sold that game or just terrified everyone. I don't know. Should we talk about cowboys? Uh, okay, so let's move on. From or, well, it's not cowboys. What was it? It was like Mexicans and padres and, and a lot. Of, there were a lot of cowboys in there. So okay. this is uh, we finally managed to play uh, Revolver Two. Revolver Two, which is the only board game I know to have given itself a movie-style sequel. Because it's the sequel to Revolver. Yeah. It's by White Goblin Games, who are Scandinavian from a country that I forget. Did you say Norway? I did, did it might be wrong. <laughs> See, so I've probably offended Europeans enough in this podcast that I'm not going to confuse another country with another, so I'm just <laughs> going to be like totally scattershot and just say, it's cold. You know what, though? What? It's quite good, wasn't it? It was pretty great. Um, so, yeah, it's... I don't know, I can't speak with the first Revolver, but Revolver no. 2 is a card game, mm-hmm. um, which is really very inventive and incredibly thematic in a slightly, not 100% accurate way, 
Like it's a, in a laughing at itself sometimes way. I think. I yes. hope so. <laughs> um, yeah. So in this game, uh, one of you is God. Just talking about this, it's not even a. It's not even a theme. It's it's a story. Yeah, it what? is. It's it's one of you is the padre defending the town from uh, a general who's coming in with his his rag. Well, a general of... in inverted commas because he's really a bandit. Well, yes, and that's so true. The bandit wants to raid the town. The padres mm. run off to get hired guns, and yes. as they're running back to the town, the general is harassing them. So. You're running through a series of cards, which are like you know the cat house, and then the town, then a bridge over a canyon. All locations that you fight in as your your sort of your running gunfight goes. Yeah, and gunfight consists of people playing cards into a area in a sort of almost I want to say sort of inverse blackjack. You play a card out your hand is worth a number of points, yeah. and if the the bandits have beat the other player, then a man is shot. And that's kind of the basics. It is. It's uh, the general is trying to whittle down the sort of this ragtag bunch of mercenaries, and if he can kill them all before you get to the the very end of the game, because each card has a certain amount of turns that you play it for. If you get to the final card and you get to the end, and the padre and any members of his group are still alive, he wins. Or there's also the counter for the Mexican army, which is a bunch yeah. of hats on a card, <laughs> and every time. Every time the general tries to attack this ragtag padre group and doesn't kill someone, you take a hat off, which represents you kind of stalling them, waiting for the army I to guess, arrive. But if you, I guess, but if you take it literally, the, the little hat tokens on the Mexican army card imply the Mexican army is just all putting on their hats before they go off and kill, like taking them off the hook. I think that's exactly what's happening. And you can, tele- <laughs> you can telegraph, there are loads of cards you can play to... Uh, try and balance these gunfights because whoever has the higher number wins but there are cards that do other things like take one hat off the thing if you telegraph them it makes them hurry up or uh, remove an opponent's card or just draw extra cards and some cards are race for the galaxy style like to play this card you must discard two other cards so you can't yeah. play those it's a game of tricky decisions it's like um, it is you know if you have a character like some one of the cowboys the sinister bandits I had was uh, you can play him now for this many points or you can play him into a future encounter so he'll show up later and then he'll be prepared he's, mm, he's got a yeah. hired gun he's got his sniper's spot or whatever um, or just the storm you played, which meant I could only play a couple of bandits versus your couple of gunslingers, and it suddenly that located. It was a storm yeah. in the town. It, in the town, yeah. that limited the amount of stuff we could put down in each, which gave me a bit of an. Advantage. But just so, I mean, yeah, so thematic, like storms and buffaloes and and, and rifles, and then and except, snakes. Except, and yeah. So the thing, my actual favourite part is that this theme kind of like it's it's like. Oh god, I can't even think of an analogy. Um, just the game tries to give you this beautiful flowing mug of, of beer and spills half of it over itself. Like um, one of the uh, the bandit deck has loads of cards that just read crocodile attack or alligator attack rather. Yes, and, um, and they just happen. And everywhere. that's fine because you know you're, you're walking through like the you know the cat house and you can imagine a river being there because the picture shows wilderness and then an alligator attacks yep. Paul's horse and kills his horse. Except you know when you're on a bridge, it's, ah, more alligators in the mines, alligators. Yeah, just alligators everywhere. Or um, and yeah. you can always defend yourself with the the giant metal sort of plate. On yeah, the your back chest. to the future thing of having a metal plate on your chest. Whatever, whatever that will keep you alive. Whatever attacks you. Yeah. So it's one of your kid, your kid lightning fell off his horse, but he was wearing his good old his metal, metal plate, plate. <laughs> and so he was fine. And I also liked that just you whatever... could technically kill the horse with the fall off the horse card too. You could. That would be which yeah. Would be in. 
Yeah. Anyway. But, but this is what I actually liked. I mean, it's when the game's theme actually could not be controlled and was that, like, you just solving everything with a bag of rattlesnakes. Yeah. But it was interesting, wasn't it? <laughs> I mean, you're looking at these cards and these things happen and they're a little bit silly, but you are actually making interesting choices all the time and you're quite limited in, do you burn this card now? Do you save it for later? A lot of the cards have dual uses or a lot of the cards have a penalty, like... When I was choosing which of my guys to kill off when you killed someone every turn, there's a different penalty for losing each one and which yep. weapon I thought to lose. And the the sh- from the metagame I'm playing, because this is what we actually really like about it, is that it's totally asymmetrical and each deck yes. is entirely different. Yeah. So you've got, you've got at least two really good play, good matches in there where you play for the first time and yeah. you sing all the cards and then you reverse and you see the problems on the other side. So, like, my problem is that, you know, you would play a level three, you know, cowboy into it, like with a gun, a rifle, whatever, into yeah. an area. And then I'm only holding, like, a level 5 or a level 6 card and it's like ah, but I just waste so much if I play it in there and of course um, you could decide at any point that a region was a lost cause if I played a really heavy card into a region you just don't play anything into it so it's almost this area control battle thing going on there's there's a bunch of different things to consider all the time and with certain location cards I've got the chance of skipping the counter ahead to move us to the next location which sometimes that might help me sometimes it might not it was intriguing and and funny and uh, I I really think you know for a a cheap game that comes in a tin and you know has it just had a lot of ideas a lot of laughter it was pretty good i mean we we've not we've only played it a little bit so far but we've got a pretty good first impression yeah i do i can tell everybody that revolver one the first game which is i think just called revolver does have some expansions out so i'd be a bit frustrated that revolver two has come out and it's i suppose a better game except they're still releasing expansions for revolver one um, but certainly, Revolver of all varieties, shall I sit down quietly uh, and pleasantly recommends? It's pretty <laughs> decent. Alligators. Amid many gunshots and alligators. Now, we need to dive into our mailbag for the first time. Yeah, so or, we... no, Twitter bag. Twitter really. bag. A Twitter bag just sounds like a nickname for a ball bag, no? I'm really sorry I interrupted you and you are going to say something that was probably less rude than <laughs> What you just said. Um, yeah, I guess you steered me into a gully there. So yeah, we 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 receive lots of emails now, don't we? Got the Facebooks and the tweets. We've got the hot tweets. Three tweets. We have three tweets, which have been level three. Uh, so Quickly now, what is? It? So let's let's start. Let's let's do this in increasingly rapid order. So first off, we've got um, uh, 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 an email. From a lovely man called Ian Peoples. Ian Peoples. And he I says, don't think that's a real name. It's not. He's using a pseudonym. Um, so, uh, Ian Peoples, in inverted commas, says he's a huge fan. As if. But, so we said in the Spartacus review that mm-hmm. we didn't like the intrigue phase where cards yeah. just happened. Well, we don't mind it, but it's okay. I mean, it has that horrible sort of but things accounted by other things in a way that you can't really predict. Yeah, it's, we just call it, I believe, childish, I think, is, uh, is, what, is what I said. And well, so, where you just a have a hand bit. of cards and you play a thing and say, this happens, and you go, no, this happens, and then it, it just doesn't feel like a game. It feels like, as I said, a substitute for game design. So, Ian Peoples writes, why we like Cosmic Encounter. Which we really like. Which we love. And he does rightly point out that Cosmic Encounter has uh, the Cards app and Cosmic app cards, which are literally what we were complaining about, right? You just drop a card and it just eliminates something someone was doing and no one could have known you had it. Yes, but there aren't many, very many of those, are there? Well, yeah. I so this is first of all. Okay, so it's yeah. It's not a common thing in the game. It's not... If we get into slightly heavier game design stuff than we're used to... No mechanic is intrinsically good or bad. I mean, as I'm always talking about, Richard Garfield has that wonderful talk about random chance. And random yeah. chance 
is not actually a bad thing because not only does it allow you know bad players to win sometimes, which maybe it's what you're aiming for, mm-hmm. um, but it can lead to unusual play states. It can lead yeah. to strategy which demands you react more. It can yeah. lead to tension, a surprise, right? Yeah. So yeah, that oh, it's too random. Well, maybe that's not you know that's something I always hear you know complain about. It's too random. Well, okay, let's think about that a little more. Why does it feel too random? Um, but anyway, so the, that card countering mechanic works in Cosmic Encounter because, as you said, you I say? don't think it happens because <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't happen very often. This is what we're going to be like in forty years' time. What did you say? Um, uh. <laughs> it's, I don't think it's so intrinsic there. It's an element that's thrown in to shake things up. It doesn't happen all the time. And the thing with Cosmic Encounter, it's already a game about being imbalanced. It's a game about yes, it's a ga- and that trying imbalance. to navigate that. It's a game of navigating that, almost like an asteroid field. Yeah. So a Cosmic Encounter is really a game about just reacting and it's about politicking it's about trying to control chaos you're talking to friends to try and make alliances because that's one thing you can rely on yeah it's about uh, you know keeping like those cards up in cosmic apps are the same as everything else in cosmic encounter whereby you might have high numbered attack cards uh, if you well, it's probably beyond explaining cosmic encounter to people we'll be through this section soon if you don't know what cosmic encounter is but you should buy it um if you have a high numbered attack cards that's probably going to wipe the floor with anything else but it's about when you play it and the card zaps are so rare, somebody choosing to play it is an event, it's a political event, it's going to change things up. Whereas in Spartacus, you can just have a perfectly laid plan, someone can block it, because there are really quite a few of those blocks. And it cards. happens quite often, that's the thing, you have cards, countering cards, countering cards, and... And I it's hard to tell it's... what's a really good card that's worth countering, because you don't know what people are holding. And it's, I find it a little bit, I don't know if I want to say tiring, but it... It, you don't feel so invested in, in the things that you're doing because that comes up all the time. Whereas Cosmic Encounter, I feel you have more of a chance to get invested in what you're doing because you're thinking more about it. You're thinking more about your powers and what makes you different. I guess that's the line, yeah. So Spartacus, the hand of cards you have, is is just sort of tertiary. And so that face doesn't have much weight. It's That's not where the game is. I think the designers themselves would admit that. In Cosmic Encounter, yes. your hand of cards is the game. So a card zap functions because everybody knows it's in the deck. They know it's going to come up, and when it comes up, that's going to be somebody doing their sort of like last-ditch attempt. It's a, it's a mechanic, and you know it's there, and you know it's like a sort of spike or a pit you have to avoid. But of course, I suppose we could say, like like you said, all all elements are kind of equally valid. I suppose if you really like that stuff happening in Spartacus, you're not a terrible person. One other thing I would say, we might disagree with you. Is that hell in Cosmic? There's only a few of those cards apps. You could remove them from the game, and that would be fine. That's true. You couldn't really do that with Spartacus. It's got all the guard cards that can just come out of your hand. So anyway, so that let's. So that was our first big question. Now we're just going to blitz through the rest. So we've got someone on our Facebook page. Uh-oh, have we? Uh, oh, no. Ollie Knox wants to know if we've played Mice and Mystics. That's not a real no, name. No, no we, we haven't, haven't played it, no. Mice or Mystics. Okay, but now, now let's get onto our Twitter, because I tweeted, and oh my god, we've got a lot of... Should we do this from top to bottom? There's one that says, what are the awesome different types of gamer? What are the different types of gamer? There's, uh, there's, um... <laughs> young there's, gamers. There's middle-aged old, gamers. Old gamers. There's very precise gamers who, once your turn is over and you say, can I just quickly do this, they go, no. And we know, <laughs> and we know a guy like that, but we won't say his name. Gamers but... who refuse uh, to retcon. There's people who uh, don't like games. I don't know if they're really gamers. They're... Well, actually, I should express now that... Uh, oh. Oh. that, that well, uh, I don't, is the term gamer... Uh, I'm actually stealing this from, from Lee Alexander, who, uh, who is now fine. working I read the this. site. So, uh, the term gamer, do we actually need that? I mean, ultimately, isn't that actually just putting up walls around our hobby, which we are fundamentally trying to make ultimately totally bit, accessible? Well, this is it. It's a bit of a kind of a silly term, like eater. 
for someone who likes food. Yeah, exactly. And so, um, I mean, the question is, where did the term come from? And actually, if you trace it back, you can follow it back to marketing is the thing. And like, if you, so if you brand someone as a gamer, it's like, this, do you play games? You're a gamer. You need these products. It's actually like many things. And it's can... yeah, it just doesn't work as a term like that. If you consider all the other things we do in our lives, yeah, it's I'm, just too exclusive. I don't, I don't read. I don't. I'm not a booker. I'm not a musicer. The term gamer, yeah, so not necessary. So we can actually just chuck. That How much did in Martin Cook not want that to be the answer to his question? And I, I am sorry. At Cake Monitor, that's a really good Twitter. Cake Monitor. Okay, so at Lantern, should we do the real names or the Twitter handles? The Twitter handles make it weirder, so let's go for that. All right. At Lantern wants to know, would you rather fight 100 duck-sized horses or one horse-sized duck? All right, well, that's really easy. You always go for the smaller number, because one horse-sized duck is like a single opponent, and that's more manageable. Yeah, 100 duck-sized horses would be horrible. You would Can you swamped. imagine? Yeah, awful. Okay, at... Oh, his name's being clipped off. Um, <laughs> at Charlie underscore N. If you're locked out in a player elimination game, what's your favourite way of occupying yourself until it ends? And the that's answer actually... Is that's a good answer. Uh, trash talking from Beyond the Grave. That's a good question, and that's a good answer, and that wasn't going to be my answer. What were you going to say? I can't remember. Okay. I was just nothing. Evil, I, I don't really know. At Evil Ninja Phil says, Why do you hate me having money as you recommend big games with even bigger price tags? Seriously, I love you, but whatever. Uh, why do we keep recommending games with big price tags? Uh, we're sorry. We have absolutely no excuse for that. Don't we, we don't know. But not, we're just we play. I it. don't know. Um, the answer sometimes, to that. okay. Sometimes we do get sent these games, and so a bit, you know, for free. We are now. fortunate. We and are so a caveat fortunate. I would say is that you know maybe if a game has a big price tag, we're less likely to take that into account. But you know what, Evil Ninja Phil, we're going to do our best in future. We have. We've mentioned that before. I mean, certainly with things like Arkham Horror. We've we've said we have won the price then yeah yeah like it's not a bad game but consider it's a lot of money yeah it's really if we like a game the money goes out the window if we don't like a game then suddenly we'll start talking about the cash which is let's do better at that in future okay Uh, at Kainty K I N T I says what are games mechanically and or thematically you would like to see the thing no one is making but should happen oh that's a good one no that's really good I'm always keen to especially because games actually cover so much there are games about everything from dungeon crawls to running public transport yes okay so what is the game what mechanically I would like well I like asymmetry so if anyone's listening any board game designers I would like an asymmetrical game with an incredibly mundane theme because I like that the less Uh important a job you're doing the better like I, I was talking about that Polish game in the news this week where you just queue it's a game mm. about 1980s Poland, and it's called The Queue yeah. in, uh, in Polish, and you just queue trying to get Soviet goods. Um, I like that. So asymmet- asymmetrical, quaint, um, like really quaint, like running a franchise food store or something, really? But, but really terrible. What about you? Uh, this is a terrible answer, but I'm kind of thinking it could be interesting to have a game about gardening. <laughs> there are games, but you know how many emails really? we're going to get now? Oh, no. I was just thinking, like, mowing the lawn and, and putting up, you know, sewing flowers. Competitive and, gardening? And having a you can have a bonsai tree as, like, a mini-game or something, and do you want to shed in your garden if you do? You get Paul, do you just, have you considered just getting a garden? That's not a bad idea. Okay, well, so no... Okay. At Jesse Fuchs... That's just a picture. That's he's just, just him, tweeted He's a just flashing... I know Jesse, what actually. What is that? He's a just a man of. showing two thumbs up. Uh, Brendan uh, at Brendy C asks, "What have you done with my shoes?" That's just Brendan. Yeah, no, he's Brendan. in the house. Somewhere okay, right now. Brendan, if you're listening to this, uh, we've taken your shoes away because you haven't been good recently. Also, we've got your kids, Brendan. We've got your kids. Uh, uh, at 
Michael DHM says, do you go in for Kickstarters if you prefer to play a game before buying? And the answer is, we don't do Kickstarters, no. We prefer to play a game or hear a game's good. Very much so. Unless we really trust somebody. Um, like, the first Kickstarter back in a long time today is a Kickstarter for Monster Hearts. I backed that recently. Mm. Uh, that's the RPG we're going to be talking about later. But then we already, yeah, we, we knew that was good. experience. Yeah. And also, that. you know, there's enough samples. And RPGs are different from board games It anyway. would have to be a very special case, I think, for us, wouldn't it? Yeah. And plus, you know, if it's going to hit its... If it's going to hit its reward tier anyway, we don't pre-order things. We really just get what's available. I want to actually point at that one. I mean, we don't we don't have to, but um, I probably at shouldn't. Rodeo Clown LL says, "How do you pronounce Segu? Segway? Segway? Segu? Should we just move on to the next? Segug. Uh, at Chris <laughs> underscore Dearman says, "Which mistake most often stops a game?" Good game being great. That's a really hard question because it's so general. Uh, the and answer is people not sending it to us. That's a rubbish answer. It's, Come on. Well, look, they, some people support us and send us that's, games. And some no, that's don't. He, he asked that question seriously. He did. Okay, and yes. And you've thrown his question out the window. Well, seriously though, if we can't play the game, how are we going to, you know, review it? Because we only have a very limited budget to buy games. Well, my answer would be, and this is a bit of a generic answer. It's quite a hard question, but my answer would be sometimes not having a turn limit on something. I like. Some games are really, really improved by having a definite point that will end the game, and so you know when things are going to... what you're working towards. Like oh, the classic problem with Monopoly can be that it goes on forever. Oh, I'll tell you what I'm going to say that I think is a better answer than that. Go on, then. I'm going to slap you with my... Ah! Yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think a terrible manual stops a good game from being great. Actually, that's Not pretty good. So you're going to hear me say that, and you're going to think, well, so what, I just have to learn the rules for a bit longer. No! No! Because a, 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 only a, a poor quality manual will mean 30 minutes into the game, someone will say, oh, what happens when I do this with this? And no one and will know. We've not. had that problem so many times. Oh, stop, let me read the manual. Oh, the manual doesn't say. It's just five minutes pass, and then you hit another of those roadblocks 60 yeah. minutes in. We've had that so many times, and I actually agree with you on that. That's a very good point. Okay, so um, do you want to read out the next one? What about this one? No. I quite uh, like no, it, but no, it's just from the same person. That's just greedy. Uh, at Andre Brewer, whose real name is Andre Brewer, says, I can't read it because you keep scrolling it past. Sorry, go, come I on! I can't work with Internet. you. Internet! Which do you prefer? Equips. Equips. <laughs> Which do you prefer? Do you need to lie down? I need a long holiday. Eclipse or Twilight Imperium? I'm a bit stuck between these two. I think he meant a bit stuck between Are you sure? Okay. No, I'm not sure. Um, well, for me, it's really easy because it's just Twilight Imperium because. I guess I'm used to it, and I like the sky, the size of it, and I particularly like the political thing, which is admittedly an expansion, uh, isn't it? Well, oh, the, you mean the councillors that you can All send that off. sort of stuff, which I really think is a genuinely game-changing expansion. Yeah, I think the thing is, Eclipse is actually the better game, but, like, in terms of mechanical... It, it, it's the better competition. Mm, Twilight Imperium okay. has so much nonsense going on, and where you're sat, and what planets are around you, and what the victory point, which what the victory cards are, and what your secret yeah. objective is. I mean, you're gonna win or not. I have seen one play, and so I, I say that I did. I was lucky enough to play Twilight Imperium with a bunch of game design lecturers in New York. In New York, yeah, in the US. And, yeah, and I saw someone, and he this this one guy was um, he had his head down, he was looking, and he was playing, and then and he sort of went, "What's this rule?" And I told him, well, "What about this?" And I told him. And then about two turns in, he went, oh, oh, I like this game. Then he fell silent, didn't take part in the politics as much. And on about turn six, he went, okay, I do this, 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 and this, and I've won. And I've never seen anyone do that wow. to TI, because there are so many moving parts. But yeah. he just grogged it, said, oh, okay, this is interesting. His brain worked, and he won. Um, but most of the time that doesn't happen, whereas in Eclipse, quite frankly, if you're mathsy and you know and you're smart, then you're going to win, probably. 
You know, if you build your ships in a clever way and buy the right tech. You think it's more like that power grid kind of, it's more... Yes. Power grid being a wonderful uh, Euro-style game. Yeah, if you ever but fair enough. Um, but, but, which do you prefer? I have to say Twilight Imperium, because um, because it's just funnier. It's colour. It's 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 a it's a saga. I remember every game of TI I've played. They're a wonderful memory in my head. I can't say the same about Eclipse. So, but it, so your mileage may vary, you know? Yeah, it's fine. I, I'm, I'm glad that we agree uh, on that, because if we didn't, I'd kick up a... What is that for say? What is the best board game bit to... Italy fiddle with and that's from at Nick Tring Alley. I can't get whose real name is Nick Tring Alley. That's good. I can't let go of the original Resistance score marker. Oh, that's really nice thick cardstock though. It's good to feel. It's beveled. I I learned what the word beveled means means this week. Beveled. I I know what beveled means. You don't have to tell me. Okay. Because but it's a good word. It's good. It's a. What's their best? component to, to fiddle, fiddle with. with. Um, well, I've always fiddled with poker chips in poker, but... Oh, no, that, um, well, well, that's boring. You've just named the best thing. Yeah, really heavy-weighted poker chips are the best things to play. Anything quite big and substantial is good. You know what's funny? Cards is, aren't good. No, the amount of... Well, unless you can shuffle them all. The amount of board games we cover, and yet, you know what? It's crazy that nothing has been as nice and as tactile as a proper weighted poker chip. Like, this, surely, we do this for a living. There are this many designers and publishers. Surely there must be a nicer component, but there just isn't. Poker and I do this because I, I, I fiddle because I'm a bit of a fidget, so this actually matters. Hive? Hive. Has big... Hive has wonderful... I can't believe I forgot that. Hive has huge, big, heavy plastic pieces, or you just want to put them in your mouth. Do you ever do the thing... Oh, um, or even quarries, where you just have like a bag of dice... Quarries! You reach in and you can just fiddle around. Well, hang on. No, we're, yeah, we're talking about fiddling now, actually, which is... We've, but I'm just thinking about good f- components. But yeah, quarries is gorgeous. Tiny little lovely gems. Oh, we yeah. should play that. We should play that soon. I like, I like things with velveteen bags. Yeah, just put little cubes in the bag. What's going to come out? Oh, it's a shit Ah, oh, Stronghold does that. Stronghold. With the bag a lot of games have velveteen bags. Yeah, Stronghold has all bags the goblins. Now. Should we do one more? One more Twitter question. Let's make it a good one. Uh, David R. Y. Faulkner asks, have you had a chance to play Mice and Mystics yet? We, uh, no, 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 still, we, we haven't. still haven't. No, not since we last answered that question 20 That's minutes a shame. ago. Um, what else have we got on this list? We did our mailbag, that was quite successful. Well, I wanted to, I don't know if you mind, but I wanted to briefly go over Netrunner again, and I know we've oh, mentioned yes. it several times. Well, basically, at this point, it wouldn't be a Shut Up and Sit Down podcast if we didn't mention Netrunner. Because I've played it now. You finally played it, And I had yay. fun, and I liked it. And, and my review went up last week, so... Yes, it did, because it's back in stock, which is why we're talking about Except it. Except by the time we release this, it might not be, oh, but dear. I get, if you're on the fence about Netrunner, probably pick it up now, because God knows when it'll next be in stock again. It's been yes. six months or something between the last printing. This is the starter kit we're talking about. Uh, so we reviewed, uh, we, we played rather, the Star Wars living card game for Fantasy Flight. Yeah. Weren't that impressed? And you really sort of, you know, you were the one saying, you, you put me onto that train of thought of, no, it's not great. I was a little bit more optimistic. Yeah, when we, when we sat down. With so now I feel great because you played Netrunner and you've confirmed, no, I'm definitely sure it's better than Netrunner Star Wars. just, there's, it feels like there's a lot more room to plan. There's a lot more intelligence behind that. I mean, I wasn't even deck building. I was just playing uh, with, with our friend Sai who helped teach me how to play and here's a starter here's a standard sort of combination of things immediately looking at these thinking right I get how I can combine these I get how I if I wanted I could customise my deck what did you play what was your deck it was the green one the green shaper right shapers are the the, I think yeah shapers are the coders who hack just because they can and to test themselves it had had crypsis in Oh, Crypsis is a neutral, so... Crypsis oh, oh right. Oh, so, right, this is one of the wonderful... So, actually, what I've been discussing a lot recently, especially off the back of I played a tournament last weekend, yes. just between my friends, um, 
is that, and I'm not because ex- I'm talking more about tactics, and I'm just getting learning a bit more. I'm starting to get advice which doesn't make sense for my playgroup, like and cards that I know wouldn't work in my playgroup. And what I've realised, it's beautiful because mm-hmm. unless you take that one really seriously and look online and learn deck lists, at which point it probably stops us being less fun. Because me and my friends are sort of fuddling, fuddling through this ourselves. Fuddling, yeah, yeah. not a real word. But, but it sounds like a fun way to learn. Yeah. So, but the thing is that um, uh, we are developing our own ecosystem where we're scared of certain cards and good with certain cards and developing decks that are good against one another's decks. Because that's what you're used to. Yes. Yeah. And whereas, so the advice that I'm hearing, you know, people like... For example, Crypsis is incredibly powerful in my... Uh, in my and I can deck. see that. Having now played the, played the game, and I can think of all kinds of ways that he'd be a good... Which is totally alienating that. Yeah, so doesn't know what that very quickly, is, but... basically, um, so Netrunner is a game where a hacker breaks through a corporation. Cannot believe we hadn't said that yet. Um, a hacker attacks a corporation. One player has a hacker, one player has a corporation deck. It's very exciting, it's asymmetrical. You're playing a shell game where the corporations try to hide agendas from the hacker, and the hackers yeah. try to get in and steal them. Um, so you can, and there are three different kinds of ice there's centuries, barriers, and code gates. And yeah. You put down, the hacker has to play and buy different icebreakers to get through them. Crypsis is an incredibly expensive, rubbish card that just gets through any ice. And uh, me and my friends have realised that you you don't even need different icebreakers if you have a bunch of Crypsis in your yeah. deck. And, but that's the kind of... That's a, that's a, that, that strategy, it's like it, the whole game is just alive. That strategy has a half-life, and it's viable, and it's thriving in our ecosystem now. And then when they release the next data pack, or one of us realises the counter, all of our decks are going to have to change. It's just beautiful. It's so, so organic. And it really, the, the word that you said there that, that resonates most with me is strategy. I could see how I was, the way I was playing, the way uh, my opponent was playing, how right you can set up ambushes, you can set up surprises, you can plan to do something in a couple of turns' time when you built up some money. There's room to try stuff and do different things and be surprised and catch other people out. And it's, it is it's just challenging people out. It, it, well, yeah, so, again, I always tell this fact, but Richard Garfield, who designed Magic the Gathering, who's now designed Netrunner, which you should get involved with because it's fabulous, designed Netrunner saying, OK, Magic the Gathering was good, but can I make a card game that's more about skill playing the deck you're given mm. than just deck building and then following the things? Because Magic the Gathering, somebody actually in this Twitter stream of questions asked what we thought of Magic the Gathering. And it's fine, but I'll never forget that I played it with a sort of my, the guru who taught me all about video games back when I was a video game journalist. And I said, oh, mate, we should play Magic the, the Gathering. I was, in, I was in Edinburgh as a bartender. Jesus Christ. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, but I, I bought this magic set, and I went, you, me, we're going to play this, we're living together now, we're going to be, this is going to be awesome. We played a game, and he lost, and then said, well, what could I have done differently? And the answer was nothing, and yeah. that was just a knife in it. Like, a, But I, I mean, I, I can relate to this, having played a little bit back in sort of the mid-late 90s, there was, it's more fascinating to me as a concept, and like a collector's thing, where, you know, people want to get different combinations of stuff in their deck, and grab expensive rare cards, but as an actual game, I don't know. It's fine, and it's decent, it's very strong, it's intelligent, but frankly, uh, Netrunner is just more agree. interesting. Well, okay. Um, Netrunner's definitely what I'd introduce a new person to, too. Yeah, it's, because it's just fascinating. It's, it's sexy, it's got traps, it's got actual mistakes. The best thing about our tournament was that in... Uh, the game we played, there were two moments, and this is going to sound pathetic to anybody who doesn't play card games, but there was a moment in the last game where I could see a move that Sai made, and we both saw that it was a mistake. And he did it, and went, oh no. And we said, yep, that's your mistake. Whereas I did something where we both said, that was an exceptionally clever move. And I went on to win the last game of the day, and that was like, 
if a card game can offer that, that moment of but you, crunch... You know what that's like? That's kind of chess-like, then. That's the, the moment of moving a figure and someone sees an opening. And it may not be immediate. It may be an opening for two turns' time. Yeah. That's that They've actually... <laughs> the, the card I've really got my eyes on, because Fantasy Flight are doing a wonderful job of teasing all the cards that are coming out. In the pack that'll be out in, like, three months, I think. We're talking that far into the future. Wow. It is called Queen's Gambit, and it is a chess-like move that lets the runner advance unrevealed cards on the corporation's side, which means... So the corporation wins by advancing cards, but if you can pick cards that you don't think are agendas, if you think you know what the corp's got, you can advance their cards for money. So you can spin up tons of cash, just so long as you think you know what's a trap and what's an upgrade versus an upgrade Which you might know, agenda. depending on other cards you collected and played. Certainly, but I just love the fact that... I mean, isn't that a wonderful... That's just, that's just playing three-card Monty. That's just fabulous, like... Um, what else is on our list? Because all the non-netrunner people have, have gone off. Oh God! If you're still listening, they've left. That's just oh my God! We're, eventually, we'll burn out on netrunner probably this time next year. Should we close on the very rude, without actually being too specific about the rude things that happened when okay. we role played? Let's let's summon our special guest. So what you and me are going to do? We're going to chant. I've heard a rumor that if you uh-huh. say Lee Alexander. Alexander, three times, Lee Alexander appears. I, this is probably bollocks. Well, I don't want to do that, because if it's true, then... No, let's go know, for it, let's go. It, the thing Just... in the, you do it, you look into the mirror and do it. Okay. Um, and it's probably not going to happen, but if it does, it'll kill, you'll be the one who dies. Okay, right, so here we go. Lee Alexander, Lee Alexander, Lee Alexander... Oh! Oh, oh that's awful! Bloody Mary. Oh, that's, my... that's really scary. Oh, Jesus, okay, Lee Alexander is in the room now. Lee, why don't you... It's Alexander. Okay, right. Think... Now you see we're already in trouble. <laughs> we, should just, we should just stop. No, so we brought you here, Lee, to discuss the role-playing game that... You've you pulled me out of bed, about. so... <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, that would explain why you're wearing the... Yeah, okay. Stop looking. Quins! Uh, so, um, Thank you. We, uh, we're all in a role-playing group now. So, we, uh, Lee and I, you wrote... We, you, we help, you, you spooked me. Uh, we <laughs> Stop looking, eyes to the floor, Quentin. We wrote about shooting the moon the other week. Again. Shooting what? Shooting the moon, remember? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so <laughs> that was a role-playing game for our new role-playing coverage section about just falling in love. And now we're playing another slightly sexy game. But it's not a lovely romance one. Because the way you described shooting the moon, it sounded kind of lovely and romantic and like there's I, tension in there. Yeah, but... I really liked shooting the moon. It was the game about um, going for a romantic rivalry against a fictional beloved. If you mm-hmm. have two players, um, you're both competing for the fictional beloved that you both derive. Or if you have three players, the beloved is one of your friends. We could, the three of us could play that together when this is over. We oh. could. Yeah. We could. Um, so, me but... and Paul could fight over Clins, maybe. Cause see, <laughs> look at him, his face is really red right well, now. Well, you kind of do that anyway, but okay. Uh, but you always beat me, though. So, uh, Monster Hearts. We're all playing it now. Lee, why don't you explain Monster Hearts to the fact... Do you want to actually say hi to the Shut Up and Sit Down audience? Hi, Shut Up and Sit Down audience. Who Thank are you? For... you? I'm a video games journalist, actually, okay. and uh, sometimes friend of these two. They're yeah. always pulling me out of bed through their black magic rituals, and uh, sometimes I end up over here even though I'm an American. I don't know how, <laughs> I don't know how they keep doing this. It's like I'm apparating. It's magic. Apparating. That's a good word. That's almost as good as beveled. It's from Harry Potter. It's not a real word. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> okay, so, uh, Lee, do you want to explain what Monster Hearts is, then? Yes, Monster Hearts is a pen and paper indie role-playing game where... 
the objective is to narratively get inside the lives of teenage monsters who are all engaged in romances with one another. But this They're... isn't this isn't figurative monsters, is it? No, in fact, it's like it's sort of capitalizing on vampire fiction and werewolf fiction, and it's better than Twilight because you will you the player will be writing it. But <laughs> I, <laughs> I like to think it's kind of a capitalization on the fandom around the. Uh, it analogizes the inner lives of teenagers to actual monsters. So let's say, you know, there's an infernal who's possessed by a dark force. That's maybe an analog of the drug addict in high school. There's, you know, the werewolf who has an, you know, an uncontrolled anger, or the ghost who is is small and not seen and not recognized. And, and or there's or there's Paul. Paul, what are you playing? I'm a fae. And in the game. And in the game, which means I'm very cute and very. Teasing, I suppose, and rather, I take everything very seriously. Everything's about promises. That's not what the book said. Well, no, this is what Paul's reading into his own That's character. That's probably partly my own obligation. The, the thing about promises and obligations is is a key character, is a key part of what I am. So I, I interpret that as a guy who, who I guess, like a very melodramatic teenager, takes everything really seriously. <laughs> Demands that if you make a bargain with me, you're going to. Give me that bargain back or I'm going to be furious. Because everything in my life is drama. (laughs) Yeah, so it takes the melodrama and the uh, sentimentality and intense high stakes everything of being a teenager in high school and gives it an analogue in the actuality of being a monster. Right. So, But the the structure of it really interests me because I'm I'm used to games like Fiasco, indie RPGs where there is no GM and you all work together to make a story, same as in Shooting the Moon. I'm used to Dungeons and Dragons where the game's master says an adventure. Where mans roll their dice to determine what their armor class is to yeah. hit zero. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but uh, what I'm not used to is this thing where, so I'm, 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 I'm running the campaign, or the, the game of Monster Hearts we've got, but my job isn't to give you an adventure, because in Monster Hearts, you're all, you guys are the adventure. You clash, it's like a TV series where you're all the main characters. Your what, job is to create a powerful narrative and not yeah. be too intrusive. And the most useful thing in the book for that, for me, is that you're meant to be fans of the characters. So it's so, it's a whole new challenge But can you elaborate me. on that? You, as the MC, are supposed to be the character's biggest fans. Yes, Does that mean you're giving us all an opportunity to shine? Yeah, it's about giving you guys scenes where you guys uh, can do fun things, such as, well, we'll get to what happened with me and Paul later. Um, <laughs> Mr. But, Stevens. But then it's also noticing <laughs> that certain characters haven't had enough screen time, or their character isn't developing yet. So after our first session, I ended up, you know, talking to you, Lee, about, because you had some incredibly powerful scenes with uh, your ghost. Incredibly powerful or incredibly drunk? Well, one of the one of the two. Um, and, incredibly uh, interesting. Thank you. It That's was. Really kind it, of no, it was, you discussed, you, you slept with, um, with, uh, with Kieran's character. And then, yeah, Kieran and I have finally done it. And then he stole your phone. Yeah, he, which was, he slept with me to get my mother's cell phone, actually. Yes, which was yeah. bleak as hell. But it, actually, very bleak, given that I'm dead. <laughs> well, there, there is that, but there was the, uh, you know, that was to f- to follow a purpose that he, he had, and in your teenager lives, that was a very, very big deal. He was beholden to the, uh, he was in the throes of his, of technology. Yes. Which was his particular interpretation on the Infernal character. And, yeah, so what I... Um, oh, a massive debt to a higher power than yourself. Mm. And definitely the sex is a, is a thing I, I, I guess I want to express to people, just to show that this isn't quite the fusty and, uh, role-playing isn't the fusty and hobby they might Oh, no, we all banged, it was hot. Every... <laughs> <laughs> so it's the fact that everyone has this sex power as well, which encourages you as a character to, to sleep with people. To pursue romantic liaisons, not just sex, because before you can ner- it, you, before you can have sex with other characters in a way that's supported by the narrative, you have to engage them in romance and in pragmatic relationships that benefit both right. of you. 
Because you're running the story. Yeah, and um, as far as running the story goes, another piece of advice that is, again, steering this whole game into amazing television territory is the fact that the book encourages you, and this is so teenage, when you fail a skill check, of which there aren't many, but if you fail it utterly, you don't necessarily fail, but in that teenage way, you've just bitten off more than you can chew. So, Paul, why don't you explain what happened with Mr. Stevens? This is so good. This is great. This, well, we've, we've generally been fairly easy so already. far for the podcast. So I if have you have to children at home, take this. them out of the room. This is very dark. Uh, yeah. I had a character who had a crush on his uh, this teacher is your fairy, at school. Isn't it? This is my fae. Uh, and his name was Danny. His name is D-A-N-I. Danny. Uh, <laughs> and he decided that he would pursue an in- attempt to pursue an inappropriate relationship with his teacher. Mr. Stevens. Which... Spitting image of stink. Which that we decided, you specified yes. that quite uh, <laughs> yeah. You Sting's, wanted uh, Mr. Stevens to be quite the spitting image of a young Sting. Sting is quite good looking as well. And I hear he's involved in Tantra, but continue. But it didn't, without going into too many specifics, it worked out, but it didn't quite work out the way he wanted it to, did it? And a bit off a little you, more. You know, you're actually making yes. this sound much worse. I kind of like the, how bad we're making this sound through not explaining it, but certainly let's just, if I'm just going to continue that and not quite reveal what happened, you went to Mr. Stevens' house. A young man came and finally uh, pushed an older man beyond the limits yeah. of his resistance. And uh, I and think my character had an idea that this would be a great thing to do and that he'd have a great time trying to pursue this dangerous and inappropriate relationship. And yet what man. happened next, honestly, was the most messed up thing that I've ever rolled. It didn't work played. out very good. No, it was really awful. And um... But this is... I mean, me, without us trying to sound... Me and my friend were, were, were fanning ourselves. It was quite exciting, actually. <laughs> without trying to sound sort of too sordid, this is kind of the theme of the game. It reminds me of Dangerous Liaisons, the classic old sort of French <laughs> thing of these people who try and get uh, sexual one-ups on one another, and it just it becomes dangerous, and it partly damages their lives. And, and, and what there's was genuine actual narrative drama? And that's supported through the mechanics with the strings. Yes. Yes. The, oh God, that's. Well, can you this. explain the strings? Yes. Um, when you engage with someone, they either get a string on you, or you get a string on them. For example, I played a ghost. Her name was Alice. She blamed the popular students for her death, falling down a subway stairs, trying to catch up on the way to an event. Um, so. Someone who knows how Alice died would have a string on her. It's about leverage, about social leverage. Which so, is again so teenage. And it's like if I fancy you, then you then gain a string on me because I'm going to ha- I'm going to do what you want. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it it if you if you imagine a social web where everyone's engaging, you have strings on the people that are subservient to you or who owe you something. And what can you use those strings for? Um, I like how I'm asking this like I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you're quizzing me to make sure I was paying attention to the dice rolls. That's true, Which, yes. you know, being poor at maths, I was not. Um, <laughs> but uh, let's say I have a string on someone. I can uh, maybe reject their action by burning one of their strings. So, and then they, they lose that leverage over me. They're, sort of, they're a sort of additional currency mm-hmm. in the game. Um, so, so you didn't even explain about the trace squins. The hot, cold, volatile, and... Uh, well, we've got to leave ah. some stuff for the review, There's I guess. hot well, and cold mm. and volatile and what's the last one? Dark. Dark, yeah. Volatile and dark are opposites. Hot and cold are opposites. Um, depending on what type of character you choose to play you'll get stats allocated to one one or more of those attributes. And the strings are additional ways you can kind of buff yourself against individual other characters. Which is great, because it means that, uh, you know, something as small as gossip will actually make you as likely to succeed at something as... Uh... 
Right. It's like, you know, oh, yeah. the ghost has, for example, my character Alice being a ghost who is dead, has the ability to sneak into other people's rooms and spy on them if I if I find the a narrative opportunity for her to sort of darkly stumble into the Oh, I forgot. You were there watching through the window after the fallout with Mr. Stevens, weren't you? I did see that. You, did you give me my string? I certainly did. Yes, you did. So now I have a string on Paul's character because I saw him being subjected to and the And that might come in in the plot. See, this is what I liked, the fact that there is no adventure for me. The adventure is just putting you two in a room now and seeing what happens next. Now yeah. you know what happened to Alice you. used to fancy Danny. Paul, I, my character Oh, God, you've got to have some... Confl- yeah, you him. still kind of do, don't you? still kind of do. Uh, he rejected me so cruelly that I blamed him for my death. All right, so ultimately, as MC, Cast my job blame condition is him. to just yeah. give you guys mm-hmm. these scenes, let you be the wonderful characters you are, and then ultimately, I guess, we're spiralling towards somebody inevitably becoming their darkest self. Tell about Fleet. And Fleet? Well, there's not much to say about Fleet. Well, okay, so Fleet's interesting because um, he's a character that I made who's another monster, really just to be there in case the story didn't have enough traction. But immediately, everybody started using their powers and the Infernal started brokering deals. And, and Kieran started throwing sausages. Yeah, it was... Uh, it <laughs> Burning was... things down, getting gas cans or petrol cans. Yes. And then yeah. the excellent thing is, and, and I guess this, we'll cover this in our review as the finale, uh, so not quite now, but when a character enters their darkest self they become an actual monster and you all have different trigger conditions uh, and if you're about to die I think that's when you can optionally survive and trigger your darkest self so a witch will just put hexes on everybody and Infernal will become possessed by their devil a werewolf will lust for power a ghost at which becomes point, obsessed with her own death and delusional right at which point mm. you become the villain in the story so it's a story where all the characters kind of like sort of play musical chairs until eventually someone goes mad and how great is that that one of the players <laughs> you don't even know who's going to do it but one of the players is the big bad they don't even know it yet but this is the the really interesting thing about the theme of what uh, you and Lee are going to be going over with a lot of these RPGs is so many people think RPGs are you have a dungeon master. You have I a thought that people. actually. I didn't right. believe Quinn's when he said these could be about uh, normative engagements that can be about romance and relationships. So I was like, yeah, no, I don't want to roll my twenty sided dice to figure out whether my man's has a leather shirt or a hair shirt. Uh, like, but now we're we're looking at all kinds of stuff where. None of that's going to happen. It's different ways to sit around the table and roleplay. And I've been effusing to every one of my friends, whether they're gamers or not, about this now that I've discovered it. Like, I have friends in theatre. I'm like, you would love this. It's performance. <laughs> I have yeah. friends in games. I'm like, you would love this. It's emotional. Like, I can get almost anyone I know to be on board with this. Well, honestly, that's why we started covering it. Because we started chopping on the idea that there is a board game out there for everyone. Turns out, there's probably a role-playing game out there ah. for everyone, too. So basically, people should sit tight and wait for this to appear on the site, at which point they'll be really excited and interested. Or, or and they'll feel slightly ill. Right. Or slightly aroused. <laughs> or slightly aroused. Are we going to... Can we tell... Can you tell what happened between no, Danny no, and Mr. No, Stevens? Or is no, that... no, no, no. <laughs> I'll let, why don't you let the audience imagine them? Yes, no, I think that's going to have to be. Um, I think that's... Uh, that's A good point to flee. Seventh podcast. Uh, and we can send Lee on her way back to America. All right, um, you have to... Uh, you, here's some of my hair. You're going to have to uh, clip this and send me away. Um, Quinn's prick your finger. Okay, hang on. What happens Ooh. if I do if I do this? 